Hello, and welcome to the Smart Injury Doctors Podcast, the injury market's top program for doctors, lawyers, and insurers who want to gain greater insight on how to improve patient recovery results and deliver better services in the U.S. injury market. Please welcome your host, Dr. Jeffrey Allen Kronk. Hello, doctors. What I want to talk about today is guidelines, specifically the Croft Treatment Guidelines. So there's nothing probably more important and more protective of our profession or any profession than guidelines. Now, guidelines are important because what they do is they set the boundaries for external forces to have an effect on the profession itself. So what do I mean by that? So we're in the personal injury space and insurers can say, uh, set you up IMEs or send out utilization reviews. They can start to say, hey, your care wasn't warranted or necessary. We've all, anybody that's in the injury space, we've all received these. We've all been um, agitated by it. We look at it and say, well, what can we do? Now, one of the biggest advice that I will give any doctor is that you want to, on the very first day of your documentation with any patient, state the guidelines that you use. Now, the reason why that's so important, it should be a standard uh, macro in any system because basically when you you say these are the guidelines that you use, you're basically saying these are the guidelines that have to be used in order to judge against me, right? Now, here's the thing. If you don't state what guidelines you use, then basically if I'm a peer reviewer or if I'm an independent medical examiner or any peer reviewer, I can use whatever guideline I want to. I can judge by whatever guideline I want to because you haven't stated the guideline. Now, what what I want to talk about right now is the beauty of the frequency and duration guidelines called the Croft Treatment Guidelines. Now, what are the Croft Treatment Guidelines for? They're in order to determine a standard for frequency and duration of treatment. Now, like anything else, In my profession of chiropractic, alignment improves function. The more alignment there is in standard utilization of guidelines, the more powerful and functional those guidelines are and the more that they help. So in the Croft treatment guidelines, Arthur Croft has actually done a fantastic job of saying this is what you can expect. We have this grade one, grade two, grade three, grade four, grade five injury state. Now, it's not saying you have, let's say, a sprain. A sprain has three grades. This grading system, Art Croft developed specifically, it's a separate system, unlike any other system, to grade the injury, grade the spinal injury, for the purposes of better determining common frequency and duration duration characteristics of treatment. So they should be used intensively. So it's very easy on the Croft treatment guidelines to go, hey, look, um, if your patient comes in and they have no limitation of motion, they have no indicated ligamentous injury, you can't see it on x-ray, there's no MRI, nothing shows it, they have no neurological findings, they're a grade one injury. But what if they have slight limitations in motion? or they have no ligaments, but they still have no ligaments injury and they still have no neurological findings, they're in a grade three. Now you're gonna find a lot of your cases 
where there is limitation of motion, moderate limitation of motion, patient can't turn to one side or the other as well as they can um, to the other. There's some ligamentous injury. This is, these are the most common injuries found in spinal injuries. There's some ligamentous injury. Remember, the spine only has connective tissue and bone. That's all it is. So it's ligaments and bone. So if you damage something, but you didn't break their neck, but you're still saying the spine is damaged, then there has to be some ligamentous injury and or neurological symptoms. So that places that patient at a grade three. On a grade three, um, you know, you have up to 56 weeks of treatment duration and up to 76 visits under these guidelines. Now, you're not gonna use that. You're not gonna use that on every case. You, you may use it on some cases, but on, on average, in my experience, it, both as a clinician and as people who coach as clinicians, you're not going to use that much. But let's say I used 45 visits, right? If I use 45 visits on something that I have up to, and I did it in, let's say, four, five months, six months, right? And I did it where in the guideline I have up to a year and up to 76 visits, then I'm showing that I'm well within the guideline. I'm doing a great job with the person. Right, if I have a grade four, moderate to severe limitation of motion, ligamentous instability, neurological symptoms, a fracture or a disc derangement, then I'm all the way up into the grade four, and that's even, that's 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 even longer. Right, so the reason why that's so important and it's so important to list out is because that is what you are going to be judged against. It's very very simple. So you know, part of what we do in in um, in with our documentation is one to let the world know that we're following standards acceptable standards the Croft treatment guidelines they're in the ICA best practice guidelines some states have adopted them even which is you know great to the states that have adopted them matter of fact if you want to read a really good article um, and you want to see one of the best uh, resources that I've seen just google the Croft treatment guidelines and then pull up the Oklahoma Chiropractic Board of Examiners and pull up their PDF um, that's, that, that has what they show about the Croft treatment guidelines. So in that document, and it's, here's, a, here's another great example. This is, this is why guidelines are so important and this is why I say use the Croft treatment guidelines is that it says in here, I recently spoke to a chiropractic group in Florida. The organizer, organizer related an interesting story. It seems that several years ago, the state had adopted a peer review system which had identified his young associate as having overtreated one female patient. This alleged overtreatment was based on the opinion of one of the reviewers. Subsequently, the attorney general's office seized the chiropractor's records and launched a long and drawn out investigation of possible insurance fraud. The potential ramifications of this investigation included, in addition to large attorney fees, loss of licensure, and even prison time. This case dragged on for two or three years. Imagine this, two or three years. Imagine the cost. Finally, the file reviewer was deposed by the associate's attorney. The attorney noticed that the, the reviewer's CV included a reference to having been through Croft's training program in Whiplash. He was asked if the program was scientific and whether he subscribed to most of the theories taught, answering in the affirmative. He was then shown the textbook, the patient's medical records, and asked to determine the patient's grade of injury. 
He was then asked to look at the guidelines and state again whether her treatment had either been reasonable or excessive. Since she had undeniable neurological involvement, she fit into a grade three category. This reviewer looked at, then looked at the attorney and said, I guess the treatment was reasonable. The AG's case was dropped. Now, that prolonged and painful process and investigation and everything else could have been totally avoided if the provider had actually noted that was the guideline and started to express in their documentation that was the guideline that they used. You know, so this this is this is the it's the easiest way that I know um, to pr protect yourselves. You know, it says in the discussion, this is a great point on this. It says in the discussion, in the absence of fundamentally solid guidelines that are universally accepted and utilized by the profession, we can expect to continue to be subjected to the vicissitudes of inconsistent and generally biased peer review IME system and insurance claims representatives whose opinions are more often grounded in dogma and driven by financial bottom lines rather than being grounded in the science and driven by public welfare. It is necessary to take a stand and support a policy that we consider to be in the best interest of our patients, one that is based upon sound clinical expertise, practice norms, and the best scientific evidence available. The Croft treatment guidelines for the treatment of uh, cervical or for uh, whiplash injuries were developed scientifically and appear to have good face validity as provided from uh, uh, disparate sources. It is in the best interest of this profession and the patients we treat to adopt the guidelines for management of these injuries. Doing so will provide for improved management, will help to identify excessive or unnecessary care, and will allow for the comparisons of different treatment methods, will allow for fair and equitable peer review, and will forestall the inevitable fate that awaits a profession without a formal and universally ratified guideline in this changing world of managed care. Unless we act in a unified manner, this experience that they explained above will be, will, will be repeated. So doctors, these guidelines are phenomenal. I loved them the first time I read them. And the first time I understand the AMA guides to permanent impairment, I loved them. So when, I, when I, you're in private practice, my suggestion that you list what guidelines do I use. The best guidelines that I know out there are the ICA best practices, the PCCRP x-ray guidelines, the Croft treatment guidelines, the um, chiropractic clinical practice guidelines, and uh, the AMA guides to the evaluation of permanent impairment. So I'm gonna list those guidelines out. Again, day one, I'm listing those guidelines out. What do you use? I use the ICA best practice guidelines, the practicing chiropractic, the PCCRP x-ray guidelines. I'm using the clinical practice, they're called the CCP guidelines for practitioners, you can look it up. And I use the AMA guides to help me to determine impairment. If there's other guidelines that you use, put them in there. But doctors, by all means, to protect yourself, to get better, improve uh, payment, and to help the profession as a whole, use guidelines and state what guidelines you're using. Now, each time I do a webinar or a podcast, I just take a short subject, riff on it a little bit, nine, 10 minutes, a little bit longer sometimes. Hopefully it gives you something to think about. You get something from it. 
Um, if you've got questions or you've got concerns, call us at 800-940-6513 and, or give us a topic that you want me to do a podcast on and I certainly will do it. Um, for those of you that have interest, we have a private Facebook group. It's free to join where we give tons and tons of information out like this. If, again, if you have interest in signing up for that, um, just put a, you know, put a comment down below or call us at 800-940-6513. Doctors, I appreciate your attention, your time, and I appreciate what you do f for all the people that you help. And I thank you very much for your time today. You've been listening to the Smart Injury Doctors Podcast, the number one audio production show for professionals in the U.S. injury market that want to deliver better injury services to the patients, clients, or insureds they serve. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review and don't forget to join us on our next program.